0: I'm snotting and snorting and coughing quite a bit this morning, so forgive me. And uh, just know in advance I may have a coughing fit up here in a minute. I don't think I got plague, but you might want to stay back. I don't know. I think it's probably just bronchitis. I'm on some good meds. One of them is steroids. So I may preach a long time and real fast. isn't <laughs> it? Now, don't get me tickled, okay? (coughs) I'm on the fifth fifth installment of this sermon series on Who is Jesus? And today, we're picking up in Isaiah 53 with verse 6. While you're turning there, let me quote you a wonderful Christmas, pre-Christmas text. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life everlasting eternal life shepherds and sheep have played a huge role in uh, in our story that we're telling this week of, of the birth of Christ in Bethlehem they were the first to hear that a baby was born those shepherds out on the hill and the sheep of course were there They heard the angels say, Unto you is born this day in the city of David. You got it. All right, you got it. You've been to Bible school and Sunday school? You know that. Yeshua is His name. We talked about that last week. Jesus' name is Yeshua in Hebrew, Aramaic, and that was what His mother called Him, and that was the word He was... He heard first when he was called first was Jesus or Yeshua. He is the Lamb of God. And so he is the sheep, the original sheep. And we're going to talk about how that is important to you and I today. In Eden, in the Garden of Eden, God killed an animal. Could have been a sheep. We don't know. God killed an animal to cover the naked bodies of Adam and Eve they didn't know they were naked until they sinned, and then they realized that they were unclothed. And so, God covered sin in the Garden of Eden in a symbolic way that, pro- that projected down through time how, how the sacrifice or the, the transfer of sin would be. He became the covering. A lamb became the covering for sin, started in Eden. Abel, Cain and Abel, you remember that story, first boys, they got outside the Garden of Eden on their own, and they started farming, raising cattle, sheep, and they decided they wanted to worship the Lord, and so they brought to the Lord a sacrifice as a way to to uh, celebrate and to worship. Cain brought the fruit of the ground, and I'm a farmer gardener, I love so, you know, to me, that's a big deal. If I were to bring you some tomatoes, it'd be a big deal, because... Uh, Sometimes they don't grow well. But anyway, but, but, but they didn't. They brought to God the fruit of the ground. Abel, uh, Abel brought some fat or some animal products to the Lord to sacrifice. God accepted the animal sacrifice, and he did not accept that uh, the grain offering. It was the blood of a lamb that was painted over the doorposts in Egypt as the children of Israel started to leave, to come home. Why did they paint their doorposts with blood? Because that night, the death angel flew through the camp, through the town, and the firstborn were taken and and were killed that night. But the blood on the door caused the death angel to pass over today. So it's the blood of an animal or a lamb on the door. Lambs are sacrificial animals. They're always have been symbolic of sacrifice lambs are small they're part of the eastern agriculture they raised them there they were easy to take care of did not so much easy in in some regard but they were small they could live off of just about anything The browsers grousers, grazers they you know they could make it on on that rough hillside on those desert places and live in places a cow couldn't live. And so that mostly they did raise cattle a few, but mostly they raised sheep and goats. And so that was just a part of the culture. Uh, but they were the lambs were dedicated usually for sacrifice. And so when Jesus came, he was called the Lamb of God. He was called God's Lamb. And so early on in the ministry of Je- Of John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist was an Essene, E S S E N E, which is a sect of Judaism, a very conservative and devout group of priests, Jewish priests, who left Jerusalem, who left the temple, because the temple had gotten too moderate and too liberal for them. So they went out into the desert and they formed their own sect, their own group of people called the Essenes. And there they practice ancient Judaism. They practice almost like Christianity today. They believed in the Messiah's soon coming, and they wrote a lot of prophecies. Long story made short, John the Baptist was an Essene, and he came out of that that uh, desert, the, the, uh, the wilderness there, the Bible says, and he was preaching and baptizing people and pointing to the, to the Lord's soon coming. And one day, as John the Baptist was out there baptizing, he looked up, a shadow fell across where he was baptizing. He looked up and he said these words: "Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world." He pointed to Jesus and said that those very words, like a lamb, Jesus went to the cross now that's important that you get that how he went as a lamb as I was as a child my grandfather, Herbert, raised sheep. Not all the time, but he, I remember this one particular time he had a, a flock of sheep, large number of them. And uh, it was late August, maybe early September. It couldn't have gotten hotter. It couldn't have been more humid or more uncomfortable. And came time to shear those sheep. Well, Herbert had called in a professional sheep shearer. But guess who got to help? Me and my brothers. And so we had to wrestle sheep down and hold them and all that. And man, they can scream and can you know that? They just scream and cry out and make the horriblest noise in the world while they were being sheared. But Jesus went to the cross in total silence. He did not say a word when he could have spoken and and cried to heaven and said, "Take the take me out of here." This. This is not my plan, but it was his plan. So I want you to know that Jesus went to the cross on purpose. Abraham took Isaac there out to what's now under the dome of the rock. He was there in Jerusalem to that rock place on Mount Moriah. He took his son there, took Isaac, and laid him on the altar. And he began, he started to drop a, a knife into Isaac's heart, or cut his throat to end his life as well as a sacrifice, as an obedient act that he thought God had told him to do. And God stopped him, and he said, Abraham, stop. I, here we go, I will supply my own lamb. I will provide the lamb. Now, that is the gospel story, if it's ever been told, and that is, I will provide my own lamb. And we know who that lamb is. He's the lamb of God, born to take away the sins of the world. Sheep and sacrifice carry this picture of, of transfer of sin down through time. and we're gonna, Today, we're talking more about transfer than anything else, but I want you to, to, to meet the working players, the players in this story. Isaiah says in verse 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. All we like sheep have gone astray. And there there are no exceptions here. Um, Did you know that humans have sheep-like tendencies? And that's not a compliment. Uh, uh-uh. I'm not. The Bible's not bragging on you when it says we're like sheep. It's a negative. We, what is sheep like? Well, I've not been around them a lot, uh, but I I know they're not real smart, and uh, I know they don't think for themselves. They just follow, you know, where the one in front of them goes. Sounds like people, doesn't it? Huh? We don't think for ourselves, and we just follow where everybody else goes. <clears throat> sheep-like tendencies. Never has there been a time in, in in my lifetime for sure where more spiritual insight or wisdom is needed for this time. Never has there been a, a time where there was more important than we have both those things that are not sheep-like qualities. So if you're like a sheep and you're following what everybody else is doing, and you're not praying and not thinking, not following the Holy Spirit, and your sheep-like tendencies are leading you, it's just going to get you in trouble. It's going to lead you places you don't want to go. You've got to follow the Holy Spirit. The world has changed more in the last two years than I think I've, that I've ever seen in my life. And I'm just five years old. And the world has changed so much in that time in these past two years. And if you're still sheep-like, if you remain sheep-like, you're going to go places you don't want to go. And you're going to do things and think things you don't want to be thinking. They're not biblical. They're not godly. They're not what you need to be. You see, this is going to get me in trouble, folks, but science is no longer science. It's an arm of politics. that has been used in our recent times, more than ever before, to confuse us, make us sheep-like. That's what that's what they want—sheep-like. Government is no longer for the people or of the people; they seem to be against us. Our histories are being rewritten. Uh, our, our school children are are being taught stuff that's dumb, ungodly. Uh, and I have no idea where it's coming from. I mean, I do know but why they would do that. They're taking down the statues of our heroes. I know some of them were Confederates. But I'm talking to some of your grandparents were Confederates too. So, they're, But they're taking down our, our statues and changing our history. Uh, thank God for our medical people. This past week they've helped me get me some good medications for, for the snots and the snorts that I've got today. And uh, and thank God for that. But, you know, our hospitals and our medical people, there's a lot of trust loss recently. We are losing trust in our medical people because of what's happening, what they're doing, and, and uh, the politics that's gotten involved in it. They've Our educational system. I am a trained public school teacher. I went through the whole thing. Bachelor of Science degrees in education. And so I've got all that. But our education system is changing. It's becoming anti-God. It's teaching our children lies about sex and sexuality and, and what we are and what we, you know, we can be anything we want to be and think, you know, you can be born one way and become something else. I don't want to get into that and get negative here, but that's being, uh, they've been, they're changing things and that God never wanted us to be teaching or, or involved in. It's t- so anti-teaching, we're, that's failing us. Um, and they're also teaching that all religions are the same, or all religions are equal. I'm going to tell you something, Dave. They are not. Well, they may be, but guess what? We're not religious, and we're not part of a religion. We're, we're part of a relationship. We love Jesus Christ, and He loves us, and we follow Him, and, and we try not to be religious in that regard. Now, today I'm going to try to begin a new vocabulary for myself, and I'm going to start calling Jesus, Jesus. Now, I won't be good at this. I'm going to start trying to call him what his mother called him, Yeshua. But when, So if I say Yeshua, I'm meaning what you're used to me hearing me say, Jesus, because that is his name in Aramaic Hebrew, is, is Yeshua. But Yeshua is the Lamb of God, and He was given to be your sin substitute. Now, why do we need a substitute? Because we got a little problem, and the little problem is we're sinners. We say, yeah, I know, there's bad people. Yeah. No, you are a sinner. Every one of you are sinners. We all are. And so we need a, we need a substitute, someone that can stand in for us, and substitute where our badness, His goodness, can cover our badness and vice versa. We need a substitute. So that's what Yeshua, or Jesus, is. He's the greatest gift God has ever given us because He came to be our sin substitute. He is the Lamb of God, and He's become the sin bearer. Now, I'm going to tell you a little, a little illustration, a, tr- a true historic fact from Judaism, ancient Judaism, uh, that that will be very key in helping you understand this transfer of sin issue. And it starts in, in Isaiah 53, 6. It says, And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want you to just think about that now. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The Yahweh has laid upon Yeshua the iniquity the sin of us all it's a transfer of sin now this comes from to us from ancient judaism they symbolize this this meme of, of that comes out of judaism is comes from the high day of atonement called Yom kippur and on that day in in, in the, of, of of high atonement of atonement the priests bring to the high priest two goats, two young goats. These young goats are equal in size, equal in weight, and equal in value. They try their best to buy two matched, equal goats, young goats. They bring them to the high priest on the high day of atonement. And so, when they come to him, lot a lot is cast. One of them will be called To the Lord. That's his name. That goat will be called to the Lord. And the other is called Azazel. And if we want to go back into the book of Enoch, some of the writings there, and look at the, it's a long, but it's kind of fun to read into. But just think of one of them is to the Lord, and the other represents sin, rebellion, the devil, etc. So one of them is called to the Lord, and one of them is called Azazel. The one that is that drew the the lot that uh, is to the Lord, they kill it, they sacrifice it, they let its blood out, they give its blood to the Lord in an in a sacrifice. They burn its flesh on the altar. They sacrifice it to the Lord. The other goat, the Azazel, they tie a red ribbon around its neck, and they hire they hire a man, probably a Gentile, but they hire a man to take that goat. That, And out into the wilderness. And they take him out in the desert where there's a cliff, a great high cliff with a huge drop off. And they take that goat out there and they push him off the edge. And the goat does not survive. All right. Why did they put a red ribbon around his neck? Because if that goat ever shows up again, they'll know it. Right? Because not every goat out there has got a red ribbon around his neck. You and I think that we'll realize that red ribbon represents something else, too. So here we are now. We've got these two goats. One is offered to the Lord, the other. But before that happened, the high priest, he, in prayer, he would go to the Lord, and he'd lift up his hands, and he'd confess the sins of his people. He would confess their idolatry, their uh, just their sin, their and you can read the the old testament and you realize what they did and so he would confess their sin to the lord to the yahweh and then he'd take his hands and he'd lay them on the head of the azazel goat and he was and he would transfer their sins into that goat and then that goat was taken out into the wilderness and it was killed and its sin was gone forever do you know your sin is gone forever it will never come back. It's gone. It can never be found again. The transfer of sin. On Calvary, on the cross, Jesus Christ became the Azazel. And all the sin of the nation, all the sin of mankind, from Adam to guy, Alpha to Omega, was, has been transferred to that cross, and on Jesus, He bore it all. That's why He said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken Me? He felt alone, because God the Father could not look at God the Son for a certain amount of time, short amount of time, when all the sin of the world was on Him. And then He said, Into Thy hands I commit My spirit, it is finished. And when Jesus died, so did your sin, so did your guilt, so did your shame. It died. Thank you, God. Isaiah 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. On Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem prior to the cross, he came into town and all his followers came and welcomed him in. They stood and they threw uh, wreaths on the floor, bef- on the pavement before him, and they waved uh, their banner, waved the, the sheaths in the air, and they declared, Glory to God in the highest, Jehovah, Hosanna! Hosanna! He is coming. The King is coming, and they shouted to let Jesus in. the The religious people of the time went to Jesus and they said, "Can you do anything with your followers? They're making so much noise. They're just bothering people. You can just see them. You know, they're wagging their little tongues and they're they're a nervous people. Religion will do that to you. Come on, religion will do that to you." So they went to, and Jesus said these words in, hey, if these people were silent, the rocks will cry out, and they will declare who I am and the glory of God. The most innocent man who ever lived died for sinners and never said a word. His sacrifice was on purpose. It was not an accident. He was not forced into it. They didn't capture him and put him on a cross. He went to the cross willingly and died for you and for me. Hallelujah. Jesus, we give you a hand of applause this morning for who you are. You're wonderful. (laughs) Willing sacrifice. Now, I can imagine this. I have a good imagination. I can imagine in heaven. What do you think was going on in heaven when Jesus was being crucified? Here's what I see. I see 10 jillion, I don't know how many numbers that is, 10, is just pick the biggest number you think of, fully armed, armored, 25 feet tall, massive angels, billions of them, standing in full battle array with every weapon that the uh, heaven has at its disposal. Every mode of transport, whatever they needed, fully armed, fully ready, just itching to go down to the earth and destroy this place. As they were sacrificing the Lamb of God, their prince, their king was dying, and they wanted to go tear hell up. And their archangels, their leaders, the generals of heaven, the archangels, were standing And they were turned around looking at the throne of God. They were waiting for the slightest indication from the Father, from Yahweh God. The slightest indication that we can go, just just wink, and we'll tear that place up. Not a movement. Nothing was said because there was silence on the earth, and Jesus died in silence. Well, he said, it is finished, but there was no crying out. You know, guys, some of you this morning, today, this morning, are facing a silent time, a time of dark depression, despair, loss. COVID has messed us, messed with us. It's been a painful time for our nation, for our world, and it's not over. But I want you to know that it it may be a quiet night. But it's an old holy night. It may be a silent night. We get that. But I want you to know, it's Thursday night, but Sunday's coming. It's a dark night, but morning's coming. There's going to be a better day. And I know some of you are are, are ready to just give up. And you're hurt. You've lost loved ones. You've lost jobs. But just don't worry. The morning's coming. It's going to be better. Hold on. Hold on. The noise is going to get louder. The world is right now running off of a cliff. Walking, It's lost its brain. Our, our, we've all become sheep, and we're just walking off the cliff. I mean, we're just... We are. But we have a story to tell, and that story is this. By Verse 8, Jesus died so he could live. By Verse 8, By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. My dear friends, didn't Isaiah get it right? How did he see that? Uh, that that uh, From his perspective in history, he looked down through the, the, I call it the telescope of history, and he saw the events of the cross and the crucifixion, and he nailed it, I mean, to the letter. Uh, he, he said he was going to be removed from the land of the living, and he was. And none of his generation said a word, and nobody did. The Jews didn't accept him at that time, they, the Jewish nation. Now, some did, of course, but they were silent. He was buried with the wicked in a rich man's tomb. What was that guy's name? Remember Nicodemus? Y'all remember this story? Some of you Bible scholars remember. Nicodemus got the body of Jesus and put it in his, his tomb, a rich man, put it in his tomb. Isaiah saw that. He didn't, had no violence or deceitful thing. They couldn't pin anything on him. They couldn't find a crime. That's what they wanted. Oh, they wanted a crime to, to communicate, to convict him. On. So, you know what they put on, their cro- on his cross? He said he was king of the Jews. Well, he never claimed that, but he was. And he will be. And anyway, but Isaiah got it right. Jesus died. Oh, my. He died. Some people say, no, nah, he didn't really die. He just he kind of passed out. And they got him off the cross and took him in and laid him in that tomb. And it was cool in there and and he kind of revived. You know, he came back. He started he resuscitated. Maybe somebody came in and did CPR on him. Brought him some oxygen. And if you believe that, I really feel sorry for you because you don't know your history. Now go back if you if you got a problem believing Jesus didn't die, look at who crucified him. Who who caused his his physical death. Roman soldiers who were trained in the art of execution. This was a squad. That's at, that's all they did. That was their job. They crucified criminals. And Jesus wasn't the first one they'd ever crucified. And could I tell you, they had a hundred percent success rate. They never missed a one. Do you know why you die from crucifixion, the actual cause of death? is suffocation. Do you know that? Because in fatigue of hanging on across with you know stretched out you have to to breathe you have to push against the nails in your feet you have to stand up all right? and you pull against the nails in your hands you have to to pull yourself up to get a breath imagine having been whipped the crown of thorns in your head blood loss fluid loss exhaustion would set in And eventually, you just get too fatigued to breathe, and you die. Well, that was was late in the day, and it was time for the crucifixion to be hurried up because everybody had to get home for Passover. Okay, they had to hurry it up. So they went around and broke the legs of those on the cross so they couldn't push up and get a breath. So they'd go ahead and die quickly. And so when they came to Jesus, they did not break his legs. Do you know why? He's already gone. Who said he's dead? Roman soldiers who knew what death was like, they knew he was dead. But just to be sure, they drove a spear into his heart, and it burst the pericardium and then the actual muscle of the heart itself. And blood and water that's why I know they went through the heart sack because it was filled with water from the stress and the very and blood and water flowed from the wound. So he had a spear driven to his heart. That would pretty well do it, wouldn't it? I mean, is that good enough proof for anybody? Yeah, me too, I think so. <clears throat> he died and he was completely dead. The sacrifice was slain and it was on the altar. <clears throat> the sins of the world had been put on him and he died and paid for it. Jesus was taken to the tomb, and from the grave, he laid there for parts of three days, and one of these days, he's coming back. He rose, by the way, and he's coming back. Let me read verse 10. It was the Lord's will, it was the Yahweh's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Yahweh, the Lord, makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. He will see his offspring. Any of them here this morning? Any God's kids here this morning? Raise your hand. Is God's kids here? Yeah, look here. Yeah, God's kids are here, right here. They're proud of it. They're they, they all, We're here. That's what Isaiah said, that the, he's going he's gonna to see them. Uh, I want you to know that if you believe in Jesus, and if you've opened your life to him and invited him in, and and are walking with Him in faith. You're one of His kids. You are His offspring. And prolong His days. Well, Jesus, You didn't prolong Your days very long. You were just here after Your resurrection for a few weeks, and then You arose and went back to heaven. You transferred Yourself back. You transformed Yourself back into heaven. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But get, He's not done yet, anybody. Did you know that? He's alive right now. He's, I mean, very much alive right now in a human body in heaven right now. And He's coming back one day in a human body. He's coming back as one of us. Ooh, doggies. Can't wait to see you, Jesus. And when He gets back, the Bible talks about a thousand-year reign and then eternity here. Well, it was God's plan... This, was, this is what God had planned from the very beginning to save his family, to save his kids, is to die on the cross, transfer their sins to him, pay for it, and then be able to be with them forever in perfection, sinlessness. It was God's will. And the will of the Lord and the will of the Lord's will will prosper in his hand. And it did. And it's been prospering in his hand for 2,100 years. It's prospering. Uh, where the God's will is in force, where God's will is being allowed to to, to be the, the, the leading idea of our world. When His will is there, His people will prosper, and the Lord will prosper. And then I came across, I'm done almost, I came across this last thing that just blessed my heart. And the Lamb, and let's just read verse 11. I never had seen this before. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. I'd never seen that before. The Lord looked back at what he'd done, and he inspired Isaiah to say this. A long time before he got here, Isaiah said this, that the Lord will be satisfied with what he's done on the cross. So he looks at your life, and he says, oh, it was awful to have to die on a cross. It's awful to have to go through that. But I look at you and it gives me satisfaction. I'm satisfied with what I did. I'm glad I did it today. And I say, Jesus, I bet you, thank you that you're satisfied with my life, but I'm not satisfied with me yet. Are you satisfied with you? I'm not either. i mean, not with you. I'm very satisfied with you, but I'm not satisfied with me I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to sing louder, preach harder, run faster, love better than I've ever done in my life. That's what I want for me. And I want this church to be a church that doesn't just get big in numbers, but gets big in heart, that gets big in love for people. That's the kind of church we want. Let's let's do that this year. And I know the Lord's satisfied with us. But I want us to be satisfied with us too. Recognize that you're a lost sheep. Don't hide from it. Recognize you're sheep. And you have sheep tendencies. And in this year and decade ahead of us, we cannot continue to be sheep. We have to think. We have to listen to the Lord. We have to follow Him and not follow anything else. But follow him alone. We're going to be tested in this next decade like we've never been tested before. The church is going to be persecuted more than ever before in this coming decade. Stop running away from the good shepherd. Don't stop running away from God's will. Don't let, don't back up from him anymore. Run hard after him. Run close to him. Grab hold of him and let not let go. Love him and for all you've got, and welcome the Lamb of God into your life. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas, and we want to just tell you how much we love you and how glad we are you came to this planet and saved this bunch of lost sheep. Thank you, Jesus. That means more than I can ever imagine or even say. Bless us, Lord, today as we prepare for this next week for Christmas, and for the year to follow. We want to be all that you put us here to do. Now, Lord, you know that times are getting tough. You know everything's kind of upside down down here, and that we're just walking off of a cliff one by one. We're just following the sheep ahead of us, and and we're falling off a cliff. Lord, give us your wisdom and your insight Lord, help us never trust human institutions, even religion. Help us to trust only in the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I want to say your name in closing, Yeshua. We love you, Jesus, for who you are, for what you are, and for what you did on the cross. In Christ we pray. Amen.